0: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to RM Podcast, FL. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina. I hope everybody's having a great and a fabulous day so far. I am pre-recording everything in advance because, unfortunately, I do not know how Mother Nature is going to be to us here in Florida. We are expecting Hurricane Dorian to come our way and it's it is supposed to be a category three by the time it hits Jacksonville, Florida. So hopefully it doesn't do a lot of damages. But I definitely want to stay on schedule. So I'm recording this about a week and a half prior. (laughs) Well today's episode it is one of my very good friends, Anna Ramos. She has worked with me in the past in the dealership, Toyota dealership, where we used to sell cars. And I remember first time I ran into Anna he was uh, when she worked on the internet department. She keeps bringing customers in. She keeps setting up appointments, and I was just always intrigued to who in the world is this chick that is keep bringing in customers and turning to those those internet leads to actual appointments and then to later sales so once I got to meet Anna I can definitely see she is very hyped up she has a lot of energy on her and seeing her grow eventually which you will talk about it on the episode two seeing her grow from coming to America at a young age and not being a very successful realtor it is awesome to see that process for her and I'm super excited for you guys to get to know Anna a little bit better she does have a lot of awesome knowledge to uh, go away and spread with us guys so go ahead and enjoy the interview do not forget you can always find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitchers Radio, YouTube, Podbean, Google Play and www.rmpodcastfl.com and yeah hope you guys enjoy the interview awesome so thank you so much guys for tuning in today interview is with anna ramos hi anna how are you today
1: hi romina i'm great how are you
0: i am awesome uh today is actually sunday so it's sunday funday and i'm getting a lot of stuff to do um so i met anna like i said on bio while we worked the car dealership together um, but I'll give the mic to Anna. If Anna, you want to talk, tell us a little bit about young Anna to today. Do to a little bit walkthrough for us so we get to know you better.
1: So, um, by the way, thank you so much for for having me on here. And it's crazy to to see you know where we've gotten. Um, you know when we met.
0: But, um, I never thought,
1: (laughs) never thought we'd be doing this. So this is awesome. Uh,
0: I know we met like, what, four, five, six years ago? Yeah, about five years ago. Yep.
1: (laughs) So, um, uh, but anyway, so when I, uh, let's see, child, child me, um, I was, if you, if you look back into my life, um, it was everything but boring um i was born in a uh religious cult in argentina and um i was born to a single mom and i had two older siblings um and this was like a really big uh christian radical movement that was kind of all over the world and um you know, growing up in this environment, I didn't know anything else. Uh, it, that's, that's the world that, you know, I knew. And we lived kind of in a bubble. Um, we didn't really uh, know anything else. But this, this world, we, we weren't allowed to read literature, listen to music, watch TV, um, hang out with people that were outside of the group. It was literally like living in a box. Um, And we lived with a ton of other people and, you know, families and kids. And we all had a routine. Um, And we traveled a lot. We traveled probably every year um, to a different city. And I I wasn't really raised by my mother as a child because she she was always traveling um, and other women and men were were raising us so that was uh definitely interesting um so even though this group was very uh very manipulative and very controlling uh and my mom had this that was her dream and you know for her was living in a fairy tale um she didn't see that as necessarily our future. She wanted us to have the option to, to decide what we wanted to do with our lives. And, um, we did not have a good education in this group. So, um, when I was about six years old, she reconnected with, um, who's my stepfather now, but back then they were just friends and he was living in Atlanta. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, they ended up getting married and he brought us over here. Um, You know, the intention of of leaving this group for my mom was that we would have a better education and, but we would still be connected to this, to this group. And that didn't really seem to happen. Um, We didn't have anything, you know, my mom didn't have any money. She did not come from a wealthy family, the exact opposite. It was very, very poor family. And, you know, my dad was pretty much the same situation. So, um, we got here and, uh, we were living with a, my dad's friend for some time and then we were able to, to get our own place. And it was this little trailer park in, uh, Buford, Georgia. So it was kind of tough for my mom to realize that, you know, we, Trying to get your life back on track and and raising your kids was so much more difficult than what she had been used to. So we weren't in the greatest environment. Um, there was a lot of drugs, a lot of violence um, in the neighborhood, and she tried to protect us as much as she could. So, um, so yeah, I mean, growing up in in that environment, I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily influenced my entire youth mm-hmm. um, but it definitely gave me a choice like whether I want to take a bad a bad route in in my life or, or take a totally different direction um so you know my, my my older brother and my sister that were definitely in in the wrong crowd we, we all were um but my mom was so terrified that she she sent me back when I was about 12 years old. Uh, she sent me back to Argentina, um, to this, to this cult. Mm-hmm. So I spent most of my teenage years in Argentina. Um, and I mean, they continued to brainwash me saying that, um, we were destined to be, be these elite <laughs> soldiers of, you know, the end time of, you know, the world was coming to an end and, You know, we were destined for that. And our lives were just molded to that, you know, that vision of what was going to happen. And, you know, we weren't allowed to think for ourselves and say, okay, well, I want to do this in my life or do that. It wasn't in the cards for us. So I never kind of, when I was, you know, a teenager, I, I almost felt like there was something wrong with me because... I didn't have those goals. I felt like I wanted to do something different and I constantly was just bashing myself as a teenager. And, um, I never really expressed that to anyone, not even my mom, because I, I felt like I wasn't being a good kid by not following what they were installing into me.
0: So, um,
1: so I finally came back and said, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go back to the group. And I started working. Um,
0: How old living. were you when you came back? Um,
1: I was uh, 17.
0: 17. So you were there for about five years?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I had to come back to the States on a regular basis. Otherwise I would um, lose my residency. Correct. So I would stay for about, you know, nine or 10 months and then come back for couple months and then go back
0: i see so you're kind of back and forth
1: right Uh, but most of my time was was spent over there i see um so you know throughout my teenage years um i was homeschooled throughout this whole process Mm -hmm. and i found out that the program that i was in was not accredited so i if i went back to high school here in here in atlanta I'd have to take extra um, curricular classes and, um, and start from, I think it was the 10th grade. So to me, I was way ahead of all the kids in school. To me, I didn't, I didn't wanna go to school and I felt like I was gonna be surrounded by a bunch of children. I thought I was super mature and you know, this was beneath me. So I said, I don't wanna go to school and, um, mom kept, you know, telling me, you know, you gotta do something. You can't not, you know, be a, a high, you can't be a high school dropout. And, you know, what are you, what are you going to do with your life? So, um, so I ended up getting my, my GD and that took forever. I wasn't, you know, academically blessed. So, um, that took a really long time. And, um, you know, my mom and my brother were, were always pushing me to, to go to school um, because in their, in their heads, they thought that if you had a college degree, you could have a good job and have a stable life. And, you know, my parents' life never, you know, to them, it never panned out. They, they thought, well, we can't accomplish certain things because we don't have, you know, a college degree.
0: Um, so they based all their hopes on a good life on a college degree. Correct. I so, see.
1: um, so, and I, you know, I don't know where I got these ideas from, but I always told myself, well, if I, if I'm going to go to school, um, I want to get into a, uh, a major and a career that I'm going to like. So, but how am I supposed to determine that if I haven't, I don't have any experience. I've never done that before. So it was always like, I didn't want to take that risk. I said, I don't want to take on debt and I may not end up liking my career. Um, And that, I think that's a good thing now, you know, hindsight, but that, you know, that's something that a lot of kids have to take into consideration, but um I don't think school is a bad thing when you don't really know what you want just you know do your best and and finish it as quick as you can at least you, you'll have something um but I watch so many so many kids go to school and change their major you know three yep. four times and they end up being in college for you
0: know or
1: 10 years yeah it's crazy
0: I, I can absolutely relate to that because when I first started college, my parents convinced me that pharmacy was the best major. So of course, parents know the best for their kids. So I went with it and I wasted three years of my life and I dropped out. And I am nowhere close to pharmacy career right now. And it's you're very right. Like not a lot of people know what to do when they're, they're young, but they don't have that guidance to like decide what they want to do right yeah
1: so um so yeah i never um went to went to school uh, because i just i never got over that debt thing and i didn't want to get into debt uh and i just worked in restaurants for a long time and um My mom, again, you know, she was always there for me and always said, you know, you can't, do you you really want to be a waitress your entire life? Like you have to do something. Um, And I know you can, you have the ability and you just have to put yourself out there. And she kind of gave up. Like she just said, okay, you're so stubborn. You're not going to listen with the whole school thing. And she says, if you're not going to go to school, at least put yourself out there and try to find something else and work your way up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of blown blew me away because my mom came from a very um humble background, a very like very poor, um, uneducated. And, and and she was and she's literally one of the wisest per like people I've ever met in my life. Like she is one of my biggest role models and it just amazes me that, you know, she would say these things. So Um, and then, uh, and she always taught me to never, never quit on anything that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a time when I was working at a restaurant with her and, you know, I I never had like, things didn't come easy to me. It was always very hard. Maybe I just wasn't applying myself enough, um, but I, I would get very emotional, and any little thing that was a setback just, like, hit me hard every single time. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't deal with this. And, you know, I just can't do it. Uh, but she was always there. And I remember starting to, as a waitress, I, I'd been first washing dishes. And then I wanted to be a waitress because they were making more money than I was. So it took me four months to get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. Um but I wasn't, I, I, it was awful. I, I was, I would cry after every shift because I had only made, you know, 15 or $20 in tips. And I would feel awful because I would forget people's orders or I'd bring the wrong thing or whatever the case might be. I felt like nobody liked me. I couldn't make a conversation with them. Um, and I said, you know what, mom, I'm just going to quit. Like, this is This is not, I'm not made for this and I'm just going to give up. And she, she told me, um, the only, the only time that you should quit is when you're too good for something and you're moving on to the next level. Never give up because you feel like you're not capable. You just have to keep going and apply yourself and do your best. And you'll see that you will be better than you are right now. So I listened to her, you know, crying, wiping my tears away. And I, I, I gave it another shot, I think like a month and it turned out really well, but I, I started changing my habits and changing the way that I did things. Um, and that went super well and that, that will always stick with me. Um, so I mean, I continued to be a server for several years mm-hmm. and you know, that's when she was like, you know what, you can't do this the rest of your life. You have to go and do something else. And I'm like, mom, nobody's going to give me a job. Um, cause I don't have any experience in anything, you know, I, I'm not, how am I supposed to you know get a job somewhere else? And she mm-hmm. just said, it doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people don't have experience, even people with degrees. Um, but you just have to put yourself out there. She was like, "You're bilingual. Um, you're a people person. You know, you're capable of so much more than you think. So just try it." So I started applying in a bunch of different places, and um, I got a job at a car dealership, which was the, the dealership from that, Rick Hendrick. <laughs> so that was
0: the first dealership you worked at. Yeah. Okay, that was my first dealership I worked at too.
1: <laughs> so that was, I mean. Before that, I had worked in you know only restaurants, Mm -hmm. and I think that's it. Yeah, just like fast food restaurants and stuff. Um, but I didn't know how to like do paperwork or any kind of admin. I I barely knew how to use a computer. Uh, I I wasn't really skillful with with people. I felt like I was just kind of an amateur. I. I didn't really know how to talk to people that well. Um, So getting into that really taught me um, how to, I mean, just the art of sales and, and the people business. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that for, uh, about a year or so. And then I started selling cars at a different dealership, at a Toyota dealership, um, and that went pretty well because I continue to apply what, you know, what I learned when I was a teen, um, just tr- doing my best, learning as much as I could and remembering that people is the source of, of success. So I had to master how to talk to people and, you know, how to, how to close a sale.
0: People um, is a source of success. That's, that's a yeah. really good one. I'm right I'm actually writing that down
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it it's crazy to think that um, everybody so many people say that you have to um, be an expert in the product and and you know have to know how to close and this and that and you know if if you could know everything about the card, there was a guy that I worked with and he could tell me everything there was to know about a toyota it didn't matter which one it was what year was made it was insane this guy only sold like two cars every month
0: was that at the dealership we worked together
1: uh no that was at the atlanta toyota
0: gotcha because when we worked at the dealership together i remember there was this one other salesman that he would know literally details of a car but he would close only like four to five deals a month and I, I barely yeah and I barely knew anything but I would close like 20-25 a month. Yeah so
1: you know I, I, I realized that it you know wasn't about the product and yeah I mean you do have to know the product mm-hmm. and and as much as you can but if you're not totally focused and truly interested in every single person that you deal with you're not going to close that deal you're not going to get referrals um it's just it's just how reality is um so and it I mean it took me a while too to realize that Um, I remember coworkers would tell me, well, you just have to, you know, you know, make small talk with these people and give them compliments. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like, what are you talking about? Small talk. Like, so, um, I just followed the people that were most successful and I mimic them Mm -hmm. Um, and I did really well. I, I'll tell you, I didn't know anything about these cars. I still, I'm still learning things on my Toyota today that I had no idea about when I was actually selling them. And that is just a perfect, you know, example of if you, um, if you master how to um, communicate and interact with humans and, and build relationships with them, you'll be able to conquer anything. It doesn't matter what business you're in um, or even in your personal life, like you seriously have to truly really understand and, and know how, um, how people are, how they, how they think and how they react because um, it'll really get you a long way.
0: So that is very true, though, because I have a Toyota, too, right now. And I remember, like, three weeks, weekends ago, I was up in Atlanta for the conference we went to. And we we're talking about Toyotas. And I was like, I honestly don't know nothing. Like, if my car breaks down, like, I have no idea what to look for <laughs> anything. But I sold cars. And I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And, like, you did the same. So that's so true, though. And I'm going to write this down as a quote, to People is a source of success. I really, really like that. So tell me a little bit. You went from car sales, you kind of spaced off for a minute, and then you come back as a realtor. Tell me about your new life experience. So um,
1: before I, you know, changed careers, um, Mm -hmm. I felt a little like empty and I felt like the The car business just, I, it wasn't for me. Like, I, I felt like I was running into a, uh, a dead end in that world. And I just didn't want to be a part of it. Um, but I've never really had, like, these big dreams of, well, back then. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I never, you know, like knew what I wanted to do. It was like I felt deep in my heart that I wanted to do something bigger, but I had no guidance, no um path or or you know just I had no idea what what I wanted to do. So, I just took a leap of faith mm-hmm. and just quit my job. Um you just quit no plan. No plans at all. Um I had actually started dating my my current boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. which was let's see was before I left the one dealership and I decided to move in with him um <laughs> move to a totally different part of town and quit my job and then I started working at one another dealership but I wasn't there for very long mm-hmm. but I still felt like I this is not for me and I want to do something different so I was living here with him um and I quit this job, and I told him to just trust me, and, and I'll find something better. So, I wasted probably about a month, not really doing anything, not really trying or looking for another job. I kind of was just coasting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was resting on my laurels, too, because I had saved quite a chunk of money, so I was like, oh, you know, I have nothing to worry about. I have, I have something back to fall on, so it's no big deal.
0: Uh, I'm going to get to that, back too, because <laughs> how much you saved uh, with, like, not that crazy high income. I was in shock, too, so I'm going to get to that to get some financial advice from you, too. <laughs> okay. Um.
1: So, yeah, it was very dumb of me, but i that's just what I did. We all make mistakes, and, you know, life is crazy, so... Um, after that month of not doing anything, I actually started applying myself and saying, "Okay, looking for, for jobs." Uh, so, I applied at a ton of different sales positions: insurance, mm-hmm. um, stock, uh, real estate, um, computer software sales. Uh, I think pharmaceutical. I, I I can't remember the amount of different companies that I applied for and I said I'm gonna get the job no matter what but I need to find the right one so whatever I feel is right um it's gonna it's gonna go through so um I first got hired at a stock loan uh company it was just like a small little firm but they were I mean they were selling multi-million dollar loans and the sky wanted me to take over the South American, uh, region. And I have no idea how I got that job. I've <laughs> my way through it. And <laughs> um, closed the interview. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. But, um, I thought about it for a while and then I said, you know what, this is not for me. And I told the guy, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. So back on the hunt. Um, and then I got a call from this real estate firm that i didn't end up working with but that was the sign that i needed so um, i hadn't gotten my my license at the time and um i started to ta- you know getting in touch with several different people and i got in touch with this i don't know why but this kind of just happened mm-hmm. uh, it was a lady that i sold a car to and she's like oh my god like you're thinking of getting into real estate? Oh, I work in such and such office, which is uh, Keller Williams Peachtree Road. This office I ended up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went over there. I liked it, liked their environment, and I got you know I went to get go get my license, um, which a lot of people say is one of the hardest things of the the you know getting into real estate. But I beg to differ. I think that's one of the easiest. Um, Steps to, to starting your career into that. Uh, so that took a, a, a few weeks to do. I took an accelerated class. Um, I didn't want to pay for it twice. So I was totally committed and like convinced that I was going to pass the first time because mm-hmm. I'm so frugal that I, I was like, I'm not going to pay for this twice. So um, yeah, it took a few weeks. I passed it and um, and then I decided to take a vacation, which was
0: another, <laughs> another <laughs> mistake. Oh, um, your trip. Um, yes.
1: I trip to Europe. Yeah. So I, I, you know, put my license with a brokerage and said, I'm going to start when I get back from vacation. So I was gone for like three weeks, mm-hmm. almost a month. Um, and not till I actually started in the brokerage. um is when I started telling people that I was in the business um, and you, I mean, in real estate, you're basically working for yourself. You're an independent contractor and you're, you're developing your own business. You're paying for your marketing. You're paying for your transportation um, for everything. So I had to figure it out and um, you know, I, it was, it was definitely hard. I can't say that my emotions weren't involved. I don't think you should ever do that because, you know, whatever you do, you're going to experience setbacks. Um, so, I mean, I got rejection left and right. And I, and I took it really personal. Like, it was, it was really tough. Like, they may not have said, no, I don't want to use you or I don't know anybody but I would find out a couple of months later that they ended up selling their home or, or bought a home. And I, and I kept asking myself, like, why wouldn't they use me? Like, what's wrong with me? Like I have the, uh, I've been trained by the elite company of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, why, why wouldn't they
0: go with me? Um, and how did, how did you but, overcome that emotionally?
1: Oh, believe me. I mean, that's the struggle that I deal with every day. I can't say that I've overcome that yet. Um, but, you know, talking to, to these people, I confronted them and cause I, I want to understand that it's not a personal thing towards me mm-hmm. um, is just maybe in their best interest. So I started to become grateful and say, you know what, maybe it was the best that they didn't use me because what if I did something wrong and, um, and that could seriously affect our relationship. So, you know, I just thank God that they, they didn't use me. So that was kind of in a way
0: of overcoming that. I see. And you said that's a struggle that you overcome every day.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I have to deal with that all the time that, I mean, we, in sales, we were constantly dealing with rejection and, you know, experts say that, you know, you have to push through those no's to get to the yes. So the more no's you have, the closer you are to, to getting a yes.
0: So, I'm intrigued to like what keeps you in the sales field because uh, first off, when I met you at the car dealership, I never thought you were shy or timid or like, I always thought you were just awesome because you were working so hard. I remember coming in the back room because um, you worked at the internet uh, part. I worked in the floor part and I always thought you were awesome at your job because you would always show results. But like what keeps you in the sales because it's, I feel like your life has been like a roller coaster and it just, every time you hit, you hit a high, it's like a higher up than the before higher, uh, if that makes sense. But like, what keeps you like, why do you feel so closed or attached to the sales field?
1: So I realized that in sales, there is no limit. Um, you know, if I was working at an um i don't know an admin job i'd probably be making 36 maybe $36,000 a year mm-hmm. and as time goes by i have the possibility if i work hard enough i may, may be able to increase that by $3,000 maybe maybe $4,000 the following year and so on and so forth but it there's not a much of an increase so when I looked at the sales side and said, okay, um, or realized, I didn't say this, this is this is the reality. If I work hard and um, I have the ability to, to increase my sales, I'm going to make more money. Mm-hmm. So there's literally no cap. Like the, the sky's the limit in sales.
0: Yep, that's so true.
1: So that was the reason I always stuck to to sales. Um, I remember it was kind of shocking because, you know, in the, in the restaurant industry, I think I made like 24 or maybe 25,000 in a year. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, working at the dealership as a um, business development rep was probably a tad bit more. Um, But when I started selling cars, um, it was a total shock because I hadn't made that kind of money. Like my first year, I think I worked, my first year was like eight months or nine months mm-hmm. and I made 45000 and the next year I made like eighty-seven, and I, w- I was like in complete shock. Like I couldn't believe that, that I was able to do that and it was only a difference of
0: two years. And that was on your early 20s without a college degree. Right. And uh, what was I
1: going to say? I was like, if I have the ability to, you know, triple my income, quadruple my income in only a few years, like that's incredible. So that's what really made me stick with sales. Because I said, it's all in my hands and I just need a, a vehicle. Whatever the vehicle is, whether it's in the car business or in real estate,
0: and and now and now, yeah, you are running your own business, and that is very true. I mean, as a as a person that have worked sales since I don't know twenty thirteen now, that worked only sales. Um, yes, I'm attending school. I do want to get my college degree, but also related to sales, related to consulting, and everything. But that is so true though, because a lot of people get like hold back or they get scared when they think of sales, they think of depending their, their income based on commission when they don't realize it's, it's a, it's a simple formula and a complicated formula at the same time, I would say, because it's, you get out what you put in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah what um what would you it's like so you moved to argentina and then you came here can you s- specify some differences between the life of in argentina i've never been there uh but some differences that you can see uh, living in america and living there um well argentina
1: is still considered to be a third world country um so it's it's a huge difference um you know Public transportation is pretty common, like, even when you live outside of the city. Um, people
0: still dry their
1: clothes on a, um, a line. Like, people don't uh, have... We,
0: we do that back in Albania, Yes, Like, outside, yeah. um, like, they hang them. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and you, like, um, you cannot leave them out for too long because they get really dry and you have to iron them every time. I forgot we do that back home.
1: yeah um i mean it's just it's totally different and um i would say that the mentality is is different it's not so uh like materialistic and (laughs) superficial i feel like people are more engaged with other people in argentina it's it's um it's nice it's kind of refreshing um but honestly, like, you you build your own world um, wherever you are. So, you know, people always criticize America, like, oh, like, people are so money-hungry and they work all the time and this and that. And, I mean, I, I know and I believe that I live in the greatest country in the world. Um, there's so much opportunity here. Um, life is so convenient. I mean, you could seriously be living in the worst circumstances and still have a great life compared to a third world country. Um, You know, living when we first got here, you know, living in a trailer park, we still had a dryer in our house. You know, we, we still had a super comfortable life in comparison to, you know, Argentina. You have to be very, very wealthy in that country to like compare to the US and it's funny because people um they always if they if they compare something they're like oh it's it's like the movies you know it's like Hollywood if we were talking about something over here they're like oh yeah like in the movies <laughs> and I'm like uh oh, yeah I guess I mean that's my life but
0: um. so every um every person that I'm at and I have a lot of uh friends there from not american they were born in another country and come here and there's always a hunger and there's always like a more dedicated hard work whenever you come to america would you say that's because you know how the state is back in your country and when you see this unlimited opportunities you just dive in like Why would you say that happens with immigrants to actually make a better living in in this country and appreciate this country more
1: yeah i mean like uh people see the the opportunity here like um to to them the american dream is being able to provide for your family and being able to live like an exceptional life um you know you can't really i wouldn't say you can't do that in your country um but it's just it's not the same you know it's just like you may be able to work for years and it's still like a struggle because the economies are different. Um and it I don't know, like it's just it's crazy. But um and it really also depends you know what country you're in. Obviously there's super successful people all over the world. Um but honestly just coming from a couple different um countries and, and seeing the difference, everybody says, like, America is the land of opportunity, um, so, you know, I feel like people that are raised here uh, don't really appreciate that, they don't really see that um, there is tons of opportunity here, and um, they do live a great life, whatever it is, it it's maybe pretty simple, but I mean we're super blessed so I remember um, I have this girl I met uh, told me she didn't know what what the difference between being a citizen and being a resident or being like an illegal immigrant Mm -hmm. was like she didn't understand the concept of that and, and why it was like I think a friend told her she got her citizenship and it was so exciting and it really is i mean it's a huge accomplishment oh yeah um, because you get certain privileges um you know you can't like when i was a resident if i left for over a year i couldn't come back just like that like i had to do all kinds of paperwork who knows if they would even let me get my green card again on permanent residency yeah right so like a lot of people don't know that they're not taught that in school
0: Um. They're not, and it's a whole different process. I went through the process myself, and my family was lucky enough to win the DV visa program for the permanent residency, which back home we call it the American Lottery, but when I tell my friends the American Lottery, they think of money, which it's not money, guys. The American Lottery for foreign citizens is to get the right to come to America and get a permanent residency, and how it works with USCIS. you have to stay in america to live in america five years and not more than 180 days outside of u.s territory to qualify for the citizenship so that's how the process works i mean i still remember yesterday actually was my 10-year anniversary that i moved to america (laughs) um so i celebrated every year but i still remember to this day like the emotions of the like the citizenship ceremony it's like it's a whole different feeling i don't know if you remember yours no, I mean, it wasn't a big deal for me because
1: um, I was still underage. I w- well, I was 18, but I didn't have to go through like the tests and stuff like that. Um,
0: gotcha. Um, I had, yeah, I
1: had to. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so with the lottery thing, um, I mean, a lot of countries have just that for like a green card.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: so, did you guys win that to get your citizenship, or did you just get your citizenship after being here for ten years?
0: Yeah, years? yeah. Great question. So, actually, my family won that in 2003, a two thousand and three because it's a two-year cycle process. My mom applied, and she put the whole family name, like my dad, my brother, me, and her, and we got. Pick, uh, she got picked through the first process, and then we went through the second process. And whenever we got approved from the, from the second process, too, we went to the embassy to get the visas. And um, I remember my parents were still iffy, like, okay, it's the American dream, but we lived our whole life here. Our whole family is here. So we came to America, and they kind of wanted to, like, test the waters, if it makes sense. Um, so we came to America in 2005 for the first time. And um, we got the green card. We stayed here for about um, three or four months. I remember it was like mid school. So like I actually took the books with me and we talked to school to kind of just be like, if we come back, if I can take a test and still pass the grade, you know, pass my level. So I remember like re- like having like a schedule, like uh, having to study for my homework. And then at two o'clock, my favorite telenovela would come around, Rebelde. So that's how I learned <laughs> yeah so like I made my schedule that even if my family goes out at two o'clock Monday through Friday, I'm home like that like that's that was my thing, and we kind of did the back and forth for a while and then kind of relating with like what you said, like I saw opportunity here, I saw there's so much more I could do, and I don't like having a cap to my capability like I want to try my best so I pushed my family to, come to like um, find, a, find a way that I could come here. So that's when we did the foreign exchange program, but I already had the green card. And since I moved here at 17, uh, my family moved three years after I did, but I already qualified for the citizenship before they did because I'd moved here sooner. I had to go through the process. I was still a permanent resident. But I had to go through the process for the N-400 and G-520B for the biometric thing. And then I got my citizenship and my family got it like years after I did because they moved here much later. And they were still worried towards like, we need to move there if we want to, you know, burn it as an opportunity. Like we need to make up our mind. And my they decided for my brother because he started uh, high school. He finished high school here the second semester i'm sorry the eighth grade and then he started and finished high school and college here so we we were permanent resident like we got the permanent residency through the through the process and we're one of the lucky families because it's not a lot out there out there that they get approved for yeah but um i want to focus a little bit anna because i know we talked about this when i was in atlanta um you saved a huge chunk of money when you weren't making a lot of money. How did, how did you do that? Can you can you walk us through the process? I'm sure somebody out there that is not making a lot of money or doesn't have very high income as they would like to be, they're like, oh, I can't save because I'm not making money. Can you walk us through the mentality and the process that you have achieved that?
1: Um, so growing up, Um, my family was always very frugal. Um, you know, my mom taught me that there's ways to, to save little, little bits and pieces for whatever you're trying to achieve. So, you know, she taught me that, um, you know, if I wanted something, you always had to have a goal in mind. You can't just like save money and then not know what to do with it. Um, so when I was a kid, uh. I think the first thing was, like, a guitar. I think I was 12. It was before I went to Argentina. Um, I, I wanted a guitar, and she was like, well, you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. So I started baiting, babysitting and saved for that. Um, so, but, you know, I don't know. I kind of just grew up doing that. I always had something that I worked towards. I knew what my budget was with my bills and I always set aside money. So when I was serving and I was living with some roommates, um, I didn't know what I was going to make every month, but I did know what my bills were. So I, once I had made the money to pay my bills, I would project a certain amount for expenses like groceries or gas. And I said, okay, well, this is what I spend for gas and groceries. So once I make more than that, that's all going towards my savings and it's, and I'm not going to touch it. Um, it takes a lot of sacrifice for people that are used to just going and spending their money. It's not like you can just do it overnight and be like, Oh yeah, let me just save this money. It's, it takes a lot to kind of change those habits, but what motivates you and can really help you is setting a goal for what that money is going to be for. So if, you want to, um, I don't know, put money towards your, like, you say, okay, well, I'm going to pay my mortgage down $10,000 this year, mm-hmm. um, aside from my regular mortgage, like, because p- you're paying interest and paying premium insurance and things like that. Um, but I want to pay my balance down $10,000 more additional. And it's, and I'm going to be able, the ultimate goal is to pay my house off earlier. Um, so those things kind of motivate you and you can say, okay, instead of going and shopping, um, every week, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to go shopping. I'm going to go do something else that's for free to kind of save up my time. So first is budgeting. Like, you know, you know what you, what your bills are on a monthly basis. Um, and and then projecting what you typically spend, and sometimes cutting down, so when I was a teenager, I would write down every, and I still have those, it's so funny, because it's like, it's very, the bills are so minimal, and I'm like, man, I miss those days, (laughs) Um, but, you know, it was like, I mean, you were a
0: teenager, you really didn't have a lot of expenses,
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, I was like 18 or 17. I was living with a roommate and my, my rent was like $360. Um sounds great. And my, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> my car, uh, my car payment was like $240. Did I have a car back? I can't remember. No, I didn't have a car back then. I was taking rides with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like I paid part of the light bill. So like my light, my, my utilities was, was like $60 or $70. Um, And I would write down everything that I spent. So if I was only paying cash for something, I would save my receipts and write them down every single day. Okay, this is how much I spent on food or um, clothes or Mm -hmm. whatever in this month. So what can I do next month to cut down those expenses so I can use that money and put it in my savings account? So I'd say, okay, instead of spending five hundred dollars this month I only write like say these things because those are the numbers I remember I I don't do that right now it's terrible but I, I don't even want to think about it because some of my bills are so
0: high um <laughs> so but it's a different level too now though because you're investing towards your business <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a whole I mean 18 with now where you're at building your own business it's, you can try to right. say but now like like Grant Cardone, we say like saving money, and we both love him. Like saving money is not going to get you results. uh, like you have to save, but you have to also, you know, invest towards something. So
1: right. So he, I mean, his thing is putting your money towards something that's going to make you more money. Like don't no. just like let your money pile up there because it's really not going to do anything for you. Um, and that's what I did. Like I didn't know that if I could like take back time and. And learn those things. Um, when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I'd be in a totally different place right now. Like, um, but I can't. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it now. So, if we have listeners out there that are in their early 20s and you really don't know what direction to take, just start reading books. Start reading books. Start watching um, people that are very successful in different um, industries, um, and just watch and mimic what they do um but anyway so yeah I mean I would write down all my expenses and and say okay well this is how much I spent in such month the next month is coming I'm not going to spend more than this I'm probably going to make the same amount of money um because I wasn't on a salary I was you know working as a server so um I would say I'm I'm gonna cut those expenses by half and put the rest in my savings and I would write down, okay, this much, this is how much I saved. This is how much I spent. And these are my bills they are always the same amount. Um, and that's how I, I would save my money. But, um, the problem was the older I got and the more I saved, um, I didn't know what direction to take. Like I didn't know what to do with that money. Mm-hmm. And you know, my mom always told me, Well, you know, you should really get your own house. And this was when um I was at the dealership. Yeah. So when I was at the Toyota dealership, so this is this was pretty recent, um, like three years ago, four years mm-hmm. ago. Um, she kept telling me, She's like, You need to get your own house, you need to get your own house and I had all this money saved up and I was like, All right, you know, like let me just put twenty percent down on whatever house I get so I don't have to pay um
0: as much interest yeah,
1: right I don't have to pay PMI and things like that um but I had no like I didn't know what I was going to use the house I didn't know where I wanted to live what was going to happen um you know but my mom's dream was to have my own little place Mm -hmm. and you know it didn't work out and I'm glad it didn't because this whole real estate journey I would have had nothing to fall back on um I mean I could have sold the house if I got it at the time and I moved so I probably would have had to end up running it out mm-hmm. and and I'm there I would have had equity because of the 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 values of the homes have gone up where I was planning to buy um but I mean that's just not how things turned out but um
0: Everything happens for a reason, though, because at first you might be mad at it, and when you look back, you're like, "Ha, I was mad, but I see why that happened." So you also have to like trust the process. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I um I listened to um an interview with Taya Kyle and Patrick Davis, and she was talking about Chris Kyle, the American sniper, like how military put him like to do extra stuff and they bend the rules, like he was like had two busted knees, like really sick before he got out and I love what she said she said I forgive the military and the lieutenants that were in charge she said because they made the best decision with the resources that they had at the time and she said so even when we get mad at ourselves or somebody else and we look back we're like or at the moment we're so mad that it's not going how we want it to go she said always remember if you make the best decision with the resources with the full resources you have at the moment then you know you did your best. So, like, for your example, like, if you look back at it, you're like, "Hi, I see why that happened. Right, um, yeah. And I like how you, um I like how you mentioned the um, the example for, like, paying down the house. Now, you work real estate business, but financial perspective-wise, I know the banks, like, if you say you get, like, a 3.4%, right? Um, the banks tend to accumulate the interest of the overall loan in the first couple of years so if you pay your house more in advance if you put that ten thousand dollars down looking at the bottom line not even you're going to save more money uh towards not paying as much interest but you're also going to cut down the short frame of the home loan does it make sense
1: right so you're going to pay off your house um faster so if you're on a 15 or a 30 year loan you know, you could end up paying your house off in, um, you know, six years. Or you know, if you're on a thirty year loan, maybe you can pay it off in twenty years. Depending so,
0: how much you pay, yeah.
1: Yeah, towards your towards your principal.
0: And you always bring up your mom, Anna. Like you always say, "Mom, mom pushed me or mom trusted me." Like, would you say your mom is your mentor?
1: Um. I mean, I, I guess you could say that, um, she's a really big influence in my life. Uh, and she's, she's always supported me in just about everything that I've ever done. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't, uh, condone the, the drugs and the alcohol when I was younger. Um, but she, she definitely, anything that I tried and, you know, the new, new ventures that I took, she never doubted me. And, she never, um, like, put my dreams down. So if I said that I had a certain idea or a certain dream, she would tell me, she would just empower me and say, absolutely, um, you know, you can do that, and and so much more. Like, what can I do to, to push you and encourage you and, and keep you on that route? And, you know, when I talked to her, if I was having moments of, discouragement which I you know I do every every day almost every day um she would keep you know she keeps pushing me and and telling me that you know it's going to be okay and so she laughs and she says um sometimes you're drowning in a cup of water (laughs) so we tend to blow things out of proportion and and overthink it and just kind of like you know feel overwhelmed by even the smallest things
0: so you did mention she was not a fan of the episode like the time frame that you were into alcohol and drugs can you elaborate a little bit more into it like what made you do that switch because i know teenage years can be a little bit tough depending on the crowd of people you hang out with but what made you do that switch because looking at you now i i like i would never think of it because you're a whole different person
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly, like, what clicked in my head. Um, It may have been, like, the the kind of people that I was, that I started hanging out with that made me realize that, like, if I continue to do drugs and to drink, like, my life is just, it's going to go nowhere. Um, So, you know, being in, like, a kind of a... You know, growing up in a trailer park and being around drugs—like I experimented with acid and cocaine and marijuana—was a regular thing. Um, I mean, my mom never knew that. <laughs> she probably will. I don't know who's going to hear this, but um,
0: it's okay, mom. That's in the past.
1: It's—it's <laughs> uh, it's crazy to think that you know, I was doing that kind of stuff and the people I was around and my friends, like to them, it was no big deal. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that I was an addict, mm-hmm. um, but I was doing it on a, you know, weekend or regular basis. Like snorting a cocaine was like, it was
0: fun. Like we're partying. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, but were you, literally, were you doing that to be cool for the crew? Cause you say you weren't doing it on a regular basis.
1: No, like, I never, like, would do it by myself. It was always, like, a social thing. Mm. Um, so anytime I was with certain friends, like, you know, I'd be doing drugs. But I wasn't, like, doing it on my own, if that makes any sense.
0: It does, uh, because you can tell you're an addict if you do it yourself, too. But if it's social thing, you kind of just give yourself, I feel like you'd give yourself the excuse of, like, oh, everybody's doing it, you know? Right.
1: And I mean, I don't feel like that justifies it. It's still not, it's not right. And, um, I mean, I had to get away from, from these people cause they're, you know, I was drinking on a, re- like drinking and getting drunk. Like I would say that I was an alcoholic. I was drinking every single day, um, and not doing anything with my life. Like it was just work and drink and pass out and get up and go back to work that's all my life consists of. And, um, when I kind of got into a different world, the people, um, I realized that I don't have to do those things or, you know, or I'm wasting my time. Like I could be doing something different. Um, and that's when I started to work out and, um, I wouldn't say I didn't go cold turkey on any of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, gradually just started doing it less and less and less um and then with I mean I still drink like wine and beer um I haven't drank I kind of went on a fast for about 30 days Mm -hmm. um but the drugs thing I mean I wouldn't I would never do it again like um it, it's it's terrible for your body it's terrible for your brain um and I couldn't like I could looking back I'm like holy crap my life could have taken a whole different turn um if I continued to to do drugs um I could I mean it's crazy how how many times I gotten like saved uh because I mean I got to the point where I was selling drugs myself So imagine if I got caught with a few grams of cocaine, like I would have gone to prison.
0: So what, uh, what advice would you give to those people that maybe are in that situation right now and need a little help, but they don't know where to find it or where to find that courage or that, that threat to hang on and to just get out of that lifestyle. So,
1: I mean, if it's somebody that's seriously struggling through addiction, um, you have to like I had a close friend that um put himself through rehab like he there's no like weaning yourself off little by little no like you have to like cut it off completely because you could die like it's not it's not worth it um but I feel like that is on a much smaller scale. Like, there's not a lot of people that go through addiction. It's people that do it on a semi-regular basis and think it's just like a, you know, a pastime or, you know, having fun and partying occasionally. Um, And the best way to do that is by cutting yourself off those influence, like the people that do it too. Um, And it was hard, you know, like those were my friends that I had to – like cut off. I'm not saying that I stopped talking to them completely, mm-hmm. but I stopped hanging out with them. And I started hanging out with people that didn't do drugs, that didn't drink on a regular basis, that did other things that were productive um with their lives. And um you know that that's one of the biggest things a lot of people say, you are um the average Yeah, you're the product of the five people that you surround yourself by on a regular basis. And um, yeah, once I cut myself off those people and started hanging out with others that didn't do those things, I've seen a crazy change in my life and my health and my mental state.
0: And and thank you for sharing that because I know it's not easy to talk about like um, a moment of your life that you might not be the best proud of, but those moments I feel like those are the teachable moments too. I call them beautiful failures because they're teachable moments. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I am a little curious about what are you curious currently at the moment because I know you're exploring a lot, you're learning a lot, but
1: as Anna, what is Anna
0: curious about currently?
1: Um, so I have been working a lot with, um, my mental state and my, um, my mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I've been reading a lot of books and, and training myself on how to think, um, like very positively. And it's not easy because people around you, are constantly going to tell you that you can't do certain things or um, I don't know, just like they'll put all these obstacles in, in your way. uh, And that really affects how you, how you think. Um, So that's one thing that I'm seriously like jumping into deeply is how our brains affect our lives. Like the way we think affects our bodies and the outcome of things that are going on in our life.
0: And that's a field that you can find a lot about, too. It's like a never-ending research, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a certain book or article that you would suggest or, or that you're reading related to that?
1: So um, I... I haven't read any of his books yet, um, but it's Robert Green um, talks a lot about that.
0: Um, the 48, um, oh, I know we talked about this because I downloaded it as an audible but then I'll, I'm, I still haven't got back to that one. The 48 Laws of Power that had really good reviews online, too.
1: Right. There's um, like the laws of human nature, um, mastery, and uh, there was somebody that was talking about mindset. Um, I believe it was Remy, um, I can't pronounce his last name, Adeleke. He's this um, African former um, Navy SEAL he has a book called transformed and just got published actually. Um, I'm going to look into, Yeah, I mean, there's so many different, um, authors and entrepreneurs and athletes that, um, talk about how, you know, your state of mind, Mm -hmm. um, plays a huge role in things that are going on in your life and the outcome.
0: Um, of your of your life, so that is that is very true. Though it's all about attitude. Like once you ta- like once you have a positive attitude, then you will be just perfectly fine. But once you lose that attitude, attitude is very important towards not even day to day basis, but in the work environment, in your personal life, professional life, everywhere you are. And it's like, everybody wants to hang out with that person that just has this awesome attitude and awesome energy, but nobody wants to hang out with the person that is down. So attitude also attracts, uh, you know, better um, energy attracts energy. Yeah. So I feel like I got to know you, Anna, on a whole different level, <laughs> even though I've worked with you. Um, we've, I, and the times that I've come to Atlanta recently, like we had to be sitting outside or just hang out, like we have had more like a one on one conversation. But this is a whole different level that I got to know Anna. And I definitely want to thank you for opening your heart and mm-hmm. opening up to us. And I feel like a lot of our listeners um, would take advantage and would actually apply a lot of that you shared because a lot of people sometimes feel like they're stuck at something and they don't know how to get out of that level. And I feel like your life experience is just the perfect experience of you can reach whatever you put to mind and step by step and you can like you never thought you'd be into real estate business. So be where you at right now when you were a server. Did you? Yeah, I had no idea. (laughs) So trust the process and just try your best every day. And um, this ju- kind of jumps up to the last question, which, uh, we all know the last question is what is your definition of success? And I'm really intrigued by your, uh, by your answer to that.
1: So, um, what I think, you know, success, uh, in, entails is really reaching your potential, um, every single day and, and just taking one step further, um, you know, sometimes we don't realize how great we are and um, and just making our lives better and helping other people as well. Um, and kind of sometimes we have to be selfless and think about other people and how we can help others and, and make a serious impact in their lives, especially mm-hmm. being like suicide rates being so high. Um, just being kind and loving to other people, uh, is seriously, like you are making an impact on the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, to, to me, the definition of success is, uh, doing the best that you can every single day, even in the smallest things.
0: Th- that is, thank you for sharing that. Cause that is very true. Um, I, um, I can relate to that whenever you know you're down even just somebody telling you like and that that was a time on my life but even if somebody telling you like hey like your hair looks nice or have a great day or how are you today like just the smallest little questions and like you don't really think day to day but like it can impact somebody by a lot yeah
1: absolutely
0: perfect well Anna, if you want to, I'll attach your information to the episode too, but if people want to get a hold of you, if people looking to sell or buy a house, or even just grab a coffee and thank you for this awesome interview and get to know Anna a little bit better, um, where can people find you? So
1: um, you can reach me. My phone number is 404-901-1231, or you can email me at anna, R-A-M-O-S at KW.com. I work for Keller Williams Realty in Atlanta, Georgia. Perfect. And then your Instagram is my Instagram
0: is the dot ramos.group. And I know you're doing a little bit vacation from social media, but you'll definitely get back to it. So if anybody reaches you there, you'll get back to them.
1: Yes, absolutely. But thank you so much for, for having us on or having me on here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you and it was a pleasure knowing you a whole different level.